Built from the Ground Up Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Neary. Thanks for joining me. In this podcast, we're going to be talking about systems. Might have heard uh, some people talking about that in forums, on Facebook, or in other podcasts. And what I'm going to do today is talk about the systems that I've developed. Um, Some of them have been um, inspired by other people. One of them is the the call scripting that I have set up that um, Chad Murray helped me to figure that one out. He talked about it uh, publicly and got some ideas from him, and I set up uh, one that works really well for us. So what I'll do is go over some of the tools we use. So for systems, when you think about it, it can be anything really. It's just a process of how you conduct business, uh, different parts of the business, what you do, your protocols, if you will. So I'm going to go over a couple of the things that I have set up in mine, in my business, in mine business. So (laughs) we'll talk about those a little bit and we'll start right at the beginning. So what happens when someone calls up? That's the that's the beginning of all of this really. Someone calls or gets to us through uh, Facebook or Google or whatever, they message us, but let's just let's just focus now on uh, the call. Let's say someone calls up. So what do we have set up for that? What's our system for that? Well, how it works is I have scripting set up on our uh, website. So it's on the, on the website right on a, an area where a, a customer can't actually get to. Uh, it's a password protected area and you need the special link to get to it. It's not something you can just navigate through our normal customer front end there. But what it does is it allows whoever's answering the phone to be able to know what questions to ask and proceed to the next step based on the answer. So what this does is it really keeps control of what you want to happen when someone calls. And if you have to bring someone new in, they just follow the script. It's that simple. Now, I have mine set up um, at the first tier. Now I just made I just made a web page for each of these things. It was a little bit um, tedious to get set up, but there's other services out there that you can do this kind of thing. Um, but mine doesn't cost me any more other than my web hosting fees that I have to have anyway. So what happens is they call, and the first screen says, "Thank you for calling Soot Soldiers. This is so and so. How can I help you today?" Then you can put little notes in for the person answering the phone. I have on this screen, it says a little message in a different color so they don't read this to the customer and it's smaller text. It says, use this time to determine why they are calling in general. We'll find out more specific things in a moment. Then underneath that, there are a few buttons to click. So how can I help you today? So they have to use their own words at this point to find out what they need. And usually the customer is going to just say, I need to schedule an inspection. I need to schedule a sweep. I need an estimate. Oh, I have a dryer vent. And then there's another. So those are the the buttons there. Inspection, chimney sweep, estimate, dryer vent, and other. 
Now, if they're calling for an inspection, the next screen says, um, okay, I'm going to need to gather a little specific information about your heating system so we can get you on the schedule. What kind of system will we be inspecting? Underneath that, it says at this point, we want to find out, this is for them just to keep to themselves, at this point, we want to find out exactly what kind of system they have. They might have already said fireplace or stove, but let's see if we can find out exactly what kind. If they don't know or can't dis be descriptive, do your best to guess what they're talking about. Now, under that, I have sections. Fireplace, wood, fireplaces, wood burning. And in that, I have masonry, fireplace, factory built, prefab, fireplaces, or fireplace insert. And there's a picture of each one of these things. And then underneath the picture, there is a description for the office to try to figure out and describe uh, to the customer. Because a lot of times customers don't know what they have. They, they'll call a stove, a freestanding stove, an insert. They'll, they'll call it a fireplace. They'll call their fireplace insert a fireplace. They don't know the difference. But that's very important to us when we're going to be sending someone there to service the unit. Uh, we want to be, re be prepared. I don't like sending guys to a house without them knowing exactly what's coming to make sure they have the right tools. Our van is, is stocked, our service van is stocked with everything they're going to need for just about any sweep and inspection. But sometimes maybe one of the tools or the brushes is getting worn out. So it may be something they used in the past and they don't use it a whole lot. And they, you know, if they know what to expect, they'll make sure they have the right tools on the truck. It's just the way it works. So more on this page, I then have it broken out into stoves. Under that, we have wood stove, coal stove, pellet stove, coal stoker. That's pretty popular in our area, um, in our general area. We don't come across too many of those where we're at, but uh, a little bit west of us, southwest, there's tons of those. And then underneath that, we have boiler slash furnaces, um, oil, or gas and so each, again each one of these lets them click what uh, what they have and try to find out with the customer so that we can better determine the next step so let's just say for this they have a masonry fireplace so we click that button it takes us to the next screen now what we do is just about every appointment type if it's a new customer we have to conduct an inspection first a full inspection, go through as much stuff as we can, level two or level one and parts of level two, but we just call it an inspection as far as they're concerned. So now it says on that page for masonry fireplace inspection, we conduct chimney inspections according to guidance set by it. So basically we give them some information. We want them to know that we're doing this and it's serious and we tell them the cost here and then we tell them what, what we can do with the inspection report, we're going to send it to them and it says, does that sound good to you? Yes. Then it pops them over to a link to go to our scheduler and get them scheduled. Now, let's just go back a step or two. We're going to say they called for a chimney sweep and we are now have the same screen we just had on inspections, but it's going to be a little bit different once we click masonry fireplace. Now, if we're under the sweep top tier and we've got into a masonry fireplace it says okay thanks we service a lot of fireplaces like yours how long has it been since you last had it inspected 
And then in text for just them, it says they probably will answer never or chances are they had a very basic inspection at some point. Now we're going to help them to see the importance of an annual NFPA 211 based inspection. So we asked them the question, have we ever been out to your home before? So this is important. We want to know if we've already conducted an inspection that helps us now better proceed. So it says, if we've been there before, have we installed a liner? If we have installed a liner, then we don't need to charge for an inspection. We're, we will perform a level one by default. If we're, if we've done a liner, no one else. So if we've, or, or any work for that matter, we give them the price for the sweep and we proceed to getting them in the schedule. And then there's a link for that. Now, there's different routes you can take based on how you do business. Basically, we conduct an inspection on every appointment. It doesn't matter if they're an existing customer or not. But the type of inspection that we do might be altered a little bit. If we've done work there, we're going to do an inspection, but it, it might not be as detailed as our original because we've already got that on record. But we'll perform a level one by default on everything. But the point here is we tell the customer... Um, that we're going to do an inspection first. And I owe this point to Chad Murray. He, he's the one that got me into this mindset, and it, and it works great. We basically tell them right from the get-go, we're not touching your wood-burning appliance without doing an inspection first. If it's code compliant and if it needs to be cleaned, we will clean it after that, and it's going to be X amount more. Now, most of the time fireplaces around here are not code compliant. There's always a problem. It's just the way it is if we've not been there first. So we make sure that once we're done doing the inspection, we go over um, with the customer what's wrong, what needs to be done to make it right. Sometimes um, we clean it still. If they really want us to and they're putting up a big stink about it that they want it cleaned anyway because it's real dirty and it smells, but generally, we do not clean a fireplace or wood-burning appliance if it's not co-compliant because there's no need to. It needs to be fixed because we're telling people, um, don't use this, but we're cleaning it. So that's what we were running into before. We were doing an inspection with the cleaning, but as far as they knew, we were just there to clean it. But we told them we inspect it, but we didn't make a big deal of it on the phone. We didn't educate them on that process first, that we're going to do that first. And then if we can clean it, we will. It was just like, we're going to be here to inspect and clean. So the two went hand in hand and always took place. Now we clean a lot less um, units and we offer solutions on how to get them back up to current standards. So the scheduling setup that we have really helps because we know Number one, that when we're out in the field, we're saying the same thing that the office said. They're not making things up. They're not changing the procedure. Everyone's on the same page. It, so it really works well. And then if someone new comes in, all we do is sit them in front of the, the script and they can just they can get right to work. I mean, we give them a little bit of training on how to schedule and all that, but they're speaking everyone's language right away. So that's hugely important. So that is the first system that I have in place, that we have in place. Now, what happens once we get out to the job? 
we've talked a lot about um, these inspections. Um, so we have a system for inspections. We don't we don't use uh, paper. We don't use our brains only. Everything gets documented, um, and there's a checklist basically. So I wrote some custom software for us um, that is is working really well for us. Everyone's everyone's using it well. It took a little time. There's a learning curve, um, knowing what things to go through. But basically, you can build out uh, a, f- a fire s- uh, a venting system on the fly with all the components it has. And then in each one of those areas, uh, there's a checklist to go through, and you can add pictures, you can add comments. There's predefined comments in there. Now, the beauty of it is it's... It works um, on the cloud, but it doesn't have to use that. So if we get bad service, uh, we can just use it in an offline mode. But as soon as it gets a connection back, it'll sync that data. Now, why is that important to us? Well, I get to look at if I'm not on the road that day or at that time, or if I'm on the road in somewhere else and somebody has a question, I can look at that same inspection in real time and I can see the, the system where it stands and offer some assistance if needed. So it really works well because it's connected. Um, but it's super important our process. Now we have two guys on, on a service call, on an inspection. And one guy is generally gathering data. The other guy's getting things set up, getting the camera set up. Um, getting things ready for if we need to sweep because we don't we don't leave the gear in the car. We generally have to bring the vacuum in anyway. We want all that stuff there for the inspection because if it's dirty, um, things get out. You know, we we want to be set up for sweeping right away. So one person's getting set up, getting the camera going, and the other person's up on the roof in the attic, getting pictures, gathering data, and then that once the the process begins. It kind of gets, um, they work together and get things done. But everybody knows what they're going to do as soon as they get there. And it's it's really a two-man job. I don't like sending one person on an inspection sweep slash sweep. At least for wood, burning appliances, fireplaces, and wood stoves. We generally will spend two hours on a fireplace, at, uh, an open uh, masonry, the factory builds are a little bit quicker for us sometimes, but sometimes not because we have to dig in as far as we can for whatever we can get access to. And, and most of the factory builds around here are installed poorly or they're rusting out and there's all kinds of stuff going on with those. So the process takes us about two hours. So pricing wise, we have to be set up for that. We have to charge the rate to cover it. Now, in reality, in this business, you're not making money on your inspections, on your sweeps. You're probably just breaking even if, unless you're a one-man band with a, an assistant or so. You're, you're really cutting it close. But you can't lose money on it. That's my philosophy. I don't want to lose money because I think I'm going to get repair work out of it and make it up. I'm there to provide a service, the inspection, um, and then the sweep if we're if we're able to do that. When we leave, or even when we get there, people generally notice right away that we're different than 
the last person they had there because of the time we take to, to do the inspection to the best of our ability and to explain things as much as possible to them and keep them involved in the process. We're not there to sell them things. They notice that right away. Now, obviously, we would love to make repairs if needed and make money, but we're not there at that point selling them anything. Generally, the way I do it when I'm on an appointment, I'm just telling them the facts and I'm keeping them involved the whole time. I used to do it differently and wait till the end to explain everything. But now as I find things, I tell them. I invite them to be part of the process when we're running the camera. Uh, That's a system for us that's working. What takes place is once they are part of it and they see that we're not pushing sales, we're not pushing products, but we're offering solutions to the problems we're finding in real time and talking about it and prepping them for it. They're not shocked at the end. And we don't sit them down and try to sell them anything. Generally what happens if there's if they use this fireplace or whatever it is that we're, we're there to inspect and they want to continue using it and they care about it and care about their home, they're asking us for an estimate. Now, what takes place usually is I tell them, first, we're going to get you the inspection report. That's yours. You can have that for your reference. That's yours uh, to do what you want with. That takes us about a day or two to get that sent off to you, but we go over it with them first, but then we refine it a little bit before we send it. The One of the last ones I did last week that I can remember, they were praising us the whole time. We got a great review at the end. They have some issues. And I tell people there's no nothing gray as far as I'm concerned. It's either good or it's bad. Here's why. Here's what it can what can happen. You know, there's there's no such thing as a little gap, a little this, a little that. It's either there is one or there isn't. And here's what the, the standards are. Here's what can happen if they're not met. The last guy said, yeah, well, maybe we'll do that. We'll take care of that next year. It's been good. We'll, we'll use it. We could probably we could do it this year, I guess. Yeah, we can do it. I'm in a position to, but well, we'll see. Yeah, why don't you send me an estimate? I never once mentioned, okay, we can get you an estimate together. I just told him what was wrong, made him part of the process, and he's asking me for the estimate. Now, I know this makes people cringe, but it's the way that works for us. And John Caesar talked about this in one of his recent podcasts, and he's got a process, and I, I, I agree with his. It's basically what we do. People are begging us to give them estimates. And they, they generally want them sooner than they get them from us. But I'm going to tell you right now, when they do get them from us, the vast majority of the time, they're choosing us. It's a process. When we're talking about fireplace repairs, we're not talking about a quick liner install for a gas appliance. These are serious commitments. This is, this is some serious work that has to be done. And I'm not going to rush it. And they don't want to be rushed either. What I found with our process and our system of inspections and the the intro call or the call they make to us and the inspection and that whole process up to this point, 
they are generally impressed with how we operate. We're nothing special other than we're trying to do the best we can, and we're trying to be as professional as we can, and we're trying to give solutions to them, and we're not selling them things. We're not selling a product. We're, we're proposing a solution. So the inspection report is incredibly important to this. The report gets the job. And obviously there's the people there doing the work, our technicians, they're, they're conducting themselves according to the processes we've established and they're good. And I mean, they can always be a little bit better maybe, but it's working. Um, you know, I, I don't think ultimately, I guess you could say any service business, we're all in the business of sales. We're selling people things ultimately, but that mindset is something different for me. I'm not in sales. I'm in the business of offering solutions for people's um, chimney needs. <laughs> it's simple. Okay, so that's that's the system we have now for inspections. It, it's hard to just talk about it. You'd have to see it. Whatever system you can come up with, there's good products out there. Um, I won't name them all because I don't want to make one seem better than the other. But there, there's a couple in our industry that have been set up specifically for us, and I think they work pretty good. You can really just do it on a piece of paper if you want. But you just have to do it thoroughly, provide pictures, get them the information they need, and it'll work. So that system for inspections ties back very easily with our scheduling software. It's easy for us to get that information. So once we have to send that uh, inspection report, we do it through our scheduling software so that it tracks. It just kicks out an email through that. So we know we have a record that um, it's been sent. And that's it for that part. Now, the next very important system that we have in place is a way to track the progress of these items. So like when we leave an appointment, we have to remember to send the inspection later, usually, um, get an estimate together. I know this makes people cringe. Yes, we send estimates later. We don't just do it right on the spot unless it's, you know, unless it's a, a straightforward thing that we can we can give them an estimate. I used to be against ballparks. You know, I don't I don't want to give ballparks. I want to give a real price. But some of these bigger jobs, we have been giving a range to see where people are. You know, okay, you 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 need to have this fireplace fixed. Well, they want to know how much right away. A a general amount. And usually when we do the ballparks, they're okay with it and they're like, "Okay, good. Yeah, that's fine. Just send me send me an estimate." These bigger jobs, I'm sorry, but selling them on the spot, selling them on the spot, makes me uneasy. It makes them uneasy. There's more chance of cancellations. I don't mind when people shop us because we usually come back with the job even though we're higher. And there's a reason for that. Let Go ahead and, go ahead and ask other companies for prices because you'll probably come back to us. You know, they, and they'll sometimes they'll say, "Do you offer this discount?" Because they got that from someone else. No, we don't. I'm sorry, but we don't. This is the price. Okay, when can we get it scheduled? I mean, we're not, we're not, uh, we don't have an attitude about it. We don't think we're 
better than everybody, but this is what our price is. We do the job the right way, um, and it's going to cost. We have to make money. We know what our costs are. So the next system, I got off topic there a little bit, um, helps us to keep all this progress straight. And what it does, it helps with when we do have to order things for jobs once they're scheduled. We need to track all that. Now, some people use their scheduling software and add tasks in there and everything, but I like to keep it all on a board that everyone has access to, and I'm an advocate of Trello. We have it set up, I think, very well, um, and I finally just got the other technicians on it. I was kind of filtering everything through me, but now my techs are now at a point uh, two of them at a point where they can handle the ins- sending the inspection report, getting an estimate together, figuring out materials. And so the only thing that I'm doing for them still at this point is actually ordering the materials. And I'll probably do that for quite some time. I don't think it's a good idea to put all that on them, but I want them to get the, the material list. And then I can I can review the inspection report I can view the est- uh, review the estimate. I can review what they came up with for materials, and then I'll make sure that's what we need. And if I think we need something different, I ask them, and I try to let them come up with it. Uh, I don't want to just fix things and, and keep them out of it. I want them to learn along the way. So Trello helps us to keep all this in, in check. So check it out if you've never seen it. It's really awesome. What I have is a workspace set up, and in that I have... They're basically boards, and you put cards in each one of these boards, and it's set up in a vertical system. It's almost like putting a bunch of post-it notes on on a wall, but you can move them around and and comment on them and set due dates on individual cards. So there's one um, from right to left. It says Justin to do, so it's like everything that I've got to do, everything. It doesn't matter what. It could be related to anything. Then there's one Justin next to it, Justin materials to order. Then we have Jason to do's, Hunter to do's, Jonathan to do's, office to do's. Then there's waiting on deposit, ordered, then another one ordered materials waiting to be received before scheduling, items awaiting pickup or delivery, pending, extra materials in stock. I, I just keep track of my inventory that way. And then there's a done, done card or um, board. So that's how we basically operate off of all of that. And I'll change the title of each one of them. So like if there's one that says um, Joe Dirt's report slash estimate, that means he needs both of those. And as things get done, I'll change the titles so we can quickly see what's left to do in it exactly. So without drilling into it too far. And that system works fantastic. It's, it's without it, if you're not using something like this and it's in there's more than just you, it's very, very hard to keep track of everything you have to do. You, you might think you, you can, but not when you start getting a lot of appointments going, it's impossible. So that works for me. That's our, that's another system that's independent of our scheduling software, independent of our inspection stuff. So we have our inspections. Now we'll start from the beginning. We have our scripting, which is built on the back end of my website. We have an inspection, 
a cloud-based inspection platform that I built. Then we have our scheduling software. We didn't talk much about that, but that's kind of self-explanatory. So I, I probably won't get into too much of that. And then we have Trello, which is our task system to keep us ordering things on time, all that. Now, I have a system in place for lots of other things. So this thing is not a system per se, this next one, but it's it was one of the first things I really spent the time building because I needed to know my pricing. So it is a system for pricing, I guess, but it's more than that. It's kind of like the backbone of, of everything pricing and expenses. So it I have a spreadsheet set up. Um, I might need to rename it because it's kind of evolved, but it's called Business Costs and Job Pricing Calculator because the business costs are directly in proportion to what we need to charge for our jobs. So it's all connected here. I have three tabs, and in, and I get three tabs per year. There's So currently right now I have 2021 overhead, 2021 projected labor hours, and 2021 pricing. Now the overhead... Um, spreadsheet and this is all on Google Docs so I can get to it from anywhere and I basically all these docs are shareable across the company anybody can see it that's another topic altogether but let your let your numbers be transparent don't hide numbers from people let them see what it takes to make business work um, I'm running out of time so I'm going to just briefly talk about this I'm I'm gonna probably get more into this one next time to really tell you how I set this up, but it's super important. Now, I'm not always 100% confident in everything here because there's a lot of numbers, so I'm always tweaking things just a little bit, and I compare it with other knowns, uh, known numbers and, and things. Like, don't, don't ignore QuickBooks as far as income, profit and loss, and all that stuff. It has It's hugely important, but you also have to track things more fine or like uh, low level. It's, you need to know what you're doing per job, see how profitable you are, what your profit margins are, are on each job, and then compare that with the overall profit margin you're seeing. That's just the way I do it. Um, and if you're an LLC and you're just taking owner draws, I talked about this last time, I think, with your profit and loss and your expenses, make sure to also add to your expenses the amount that you're taking as an owner draw. That does not show up as an expense in any of the reports that I know of because it's not an expense. It's you just transferring money to yourself and for tax purposes, at least with an LLC and even a, um, uh, is it an S-corp? It's the same, the, the, the shareholders get uh, taxed the same way, kind of as an LLC, so all that income passes back. So the point is, your pay is not an expense when you're set up that way. And QuickBooks doesn't count it that way. Now, if you were getting a payroll check, it's going to definitely count it as an expense. So real briefly, this, this overhead document takes into consideration monthly fixed overhead, variable overhead. It factors in payroll taxes based on projected labor hours. And then it spits out magically an hourly rate. I have a service hourly rate 
and a repair hourly rate, which I basically just, they're basically very close to one another right now. And I have a break even hourly to know that what I'd have to charge just to break out even, uh, and, um, with my markup on top of that, and there's, there's so many numbers, but I didn't base this out of like my, just out of nowhere. I followed some worksheets that I found in a video that was presented by the National Chimney Sweep Guild. I forget Grady and Associates. I think that's our Grandy Grady. I don't. I forget which one. But I followed their sheets and I made it into a spreadsheet that factors everything, and it works out to generate on. So when I when I put in my projected labor hours for each employee, what they get paid. I have you have to add in their management pay. So if you're not an employee, or if you're they're not um, service technicians and they're not doing out in the field labor, that's going to be factored in slightly different because you can't bill for that. So this takes into consideration billable hours. So when you're doing a sweep or an inspection, you should be charging the amount that it tells you to, and you're recouping that. But keep in mind that basically 45% of your service work is non-billable, which means it's time driving to jobs, it's time picking up materials, it's playing around time, it's all there. And then it tells you what you need to charge per hour. I mean, there's simpler ways of doing this, but this thing really gets into it. And the more employees you add, the more billable hours you have, Interestingly, the hourly rate goes down because you're charging more. So there, there's some interesting things that take place. Um, with fewer employees, my hourly rate is actually pretty high because of our expenses. And it's uh, the, the thing I'm trying to do is reduce expenses, not necessarily increase sales. I want to make it cost way less to operate. That's how we'll, we'll make more profit right now and then there, there is a time to increase sales but it must I want to have our processes be perfect well as close to perfect as possible now all of this information gets factored in and goes over to the next tab I have where we cost jobs out so if it's let's just say um, Let's call this a class A installation, factory built chimney installation. So you put in the cost and then it has a markup on our materials that gets factored in. And then we put in how many man hours and there's drive time, there's there's other categories for um, equipment rental and the markups on that. And then it spits out what the job should cost. And then it tells us the rough job net after we pay for the materials and pay our labor. It tells me all kinds of things. Now, the, the, the thing here is you cannot just come up with, well, I pay guys 20 bucks an hour. They'll be there eight hours. It's $160. There's two of them. That's 320 bucks. When you factor in your expenses and figure out what you actually have to charge per hour, you'll be surprised by how many more times the rate of your what you're actually paying people that you have to charge for that hour of work. So you, you need to figure out your numbers. That's my advice here because you'd be, you're going to be surprised when you factor it all in. 
Um, you got to charge based on what you need to make a profit, not what everybody else is charging. So I'm going to go into next time a little bit more systems and a little bit more in depth perhaps on this uh, figuring out these numbers and how I did it. It's really kind of tricky, but you have to spend the time. I have a lot of time in this, and it, and it gets updated from time to time as well. You need to know budgets for everything, and they're based on that spreadsheet, but I have separate spreadsheets to track our budgets monthly to see what we're spending and make sure we're in line and it factors it in and tells me how much left I have. And it's if we go over one month, it factors into the next month and reduces that amount. Um, lots of stuff. Lots and lots of stuff. So that'll do it for today because this can get a little boring, perhaps. But systems are incredibly important. You have to develop systems to stay uh, efficient. So efficiency is incredibly important to all of this. You have to know your numbers. Otherwise, at the end of the year, you'll do your taxes and you'll realize you didn't charge enough because you were just charging what the other guy charges. And then you'll want to give up and you'll be stressed. So try to get ahead of these things. I don't know if I've got it nailed down perfectly, but I think we're on a good path. And I think the systems we've put in place, everyone's getting on board with it and they're seeing the value of it. And things are going a lot more smoothly now. And everyone just knows what to do, what's expected, what numbers to get, because there are systems in place. And... It's working. So right now we have um, two technicians and one technician apprentice. So he goes with me a lot. And um, we've got two trucks running with myself on the truck, one of them. We're looking. We have a van and a pickup truck. The pickup truck doesn't work great. I hate it. If you like a pickup truck for inspections and service work, great. My problem is in the winter time. I don't have a cap. I don't want to buy a cap because I hate the idea of it. <laughs> so I'm looking to get another van. But if you've been looking for vans, uh, you'll notice that there's not a whole lot of them available. Or there are, but they're really high priced right now because there's a shortage. So that's been a little tricky. But things are going well. You know, it's business, it's a world that's filled with problems and imperfection on everybody's part. So things get a little tricky, but um, I'm trying to remember why I'm doing this. I know I'm not doing this to become something special. I'm doing this because it's the best way I found to provide a, a living for myself and my wife. And it gives me the freedom I need to be in control of my schedule and to be in control of certain things. Like if, if, if we need more money for something, a necessity, I can work a little bit harder and get more money. Or there's more of a buffer now. It's not so much paycheck to paycheck, even though it's it's not like uh, I'm Scrooge McDuck taking dives into a money pit and swimming in it. Remember DuckTales? <laughs> but it does give you more freedom to to be more in control not to be rich necessarily and that's not what i'm going for here and i think most 
business owners in this realm are not after that necessarily. And it's very hard. And if we just strive for that, it's kind of pointless and you wreck your life most times doing that. <laughs> but um, it's, it's worthwhile. It's not for everybody, but it can be uh, rewarding. And so I'm glad I'm doing it, even though I didn't want to do this. I didn't originally set out to do this. A change of events in life made this have to happen. But uh, I'm trying to make the best of it and learn from others and then pass on what I'm learning. So hopefully this podcast is helping you. Appreciate you listening. Be safe out there. We'll catch you on the next time. We'll catch you the next time, not on the next time, but the next time. Take care.